You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. to hold on to his kingdom. Unfortunately, God had already taken the kingdom away from Saul. And we talked about this. A man cannot hold on to that which is not his. It was God's kingdom to give whomever he wanted to give it to. Man can't hold on to something that's not his. I can't hold on to this church. It's not mine. It belongs to God. It's God's church. Perhaps one of the greatest examples we have of how our possessions in this life are never ours to begin with is none other than King Saul and young David. In today's message, Pastor Dave reflects on Saul's desperate attempt to try and hold on to that which was never his, which in this case was the kingdom of Israel. And here's Pastor Dave in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 18 as he begins his message, Saul the Great Schemer. The last time we met, we had started chapter 18. Goliath had been defeated in chapter 17. The great giant Goliath was dead. King Saul then gave David a position of authority. Saul's son Jonathan and David made a covenant with each other because their souls were knitted as one. They made a covenant of love with each other. David followed Saul wherever he went, and the scripture says he behaved wisely. Saul then continued to honor David, sending him over men of war. And David accepted the love from the Israelites. They loved him dearly. They loved him and raised him up. And as the army of Israel returned from the great slaughter of the Philistines, the women came out. And they were dancing and praising the Lord with all sorts of instruments. And they were singing a song as they welcomed home the heroes. The song they sang didn't set too well with King Saul. Because it gave David more honor than him. You remember the song? Saul had slain his thousands. But David, his ten thousands. Saul was angered over this. He was greatly angered. And he began to keep an eye on David. He watched out David's comings and David's goings. And from this point on, Saul becomes a schemer. Saul becomes a schemer instead of a king. And if you don't know who a schemer is, a schemer is someone who makes plans in order to gain something for himself. A schemer is someone who, usually at the expense of others, does things and sets things up so he can get what he wants. Saul was a major schemer. A schemer uses all sorts of situations. He uses people. He uses circumstances to get his advantage and to achieve or to obtain that which he thinks he needs. When I think of schemers in the Bible, the greatest schemer I think in the Bible was none other than Jacob. Heel catcher Jacob schemed to get the birthright from his brother Esau. Schemed to get the dad's blessing. Remember, he even put on 
goat hair and went in and tried to get the, got the blessing from his father. And then schemed Uncle Laban. He even schemed Uncle Laban out of the animals. So I believe that uh, we find that the greatest schemer in the Bible was Jacob. So why was Saul a schemer? Why did this happen? Well, basically because popularity threatened Saul. David's popularity threatened him. It's a shame that some of us are threatened by popularity of others. This is a high school thing. You know, when you're in high school and you have the most popular kid, everybody's envious of the kid, and usually in this day and age, they get bullied and beat up. It's a shame that that seems to be perplexing us. You know, we, we envy the popular people. Why are they so popular? I want to be popular. And unfortunately, sometimes we do things to do this. But, but Saul wants to hold on to his kingdom. Unfortunately, God had already taken the kingdom away from Saul. And we talked about this. A man cannot hold on to that which is not his. It was God's kingdom to give whomever he wanted to give it to. Man can't hold on to something that's not his. I can't hold on to this church. It's not mine. It belongs to God. It's God's church. We try to hold on to these things when we see them slipping away. So because of the kingdom being taken from him, because of his paranoia, Saul now wants to hold on to the kingdom. He wants to do everything he can to plot against David. And some of his plans are subtle, but some of his plans aren't so subtle. Some of his plans are blatant, really bad. In fact, in verse 18, chapter 18, verses 10 and 11, a distressing spirit from God came upon Saul David, as he usually does, comes into the throne room or whatever Saul is, starts playing music, (laughs) and Saul takes a spear and throws it at David twice. That's not so subtle. That's really not so subtle when you got a spear throwing at you twice, and David jumped out of the way several times. Saul began to be afraid of David because the king knew that the Lord was with David. And there are people who are afraid of us as Christians because they know the Lord is with us. And there's a fear. And, and what does the scripture say? We become the smell of death. We become the smell of death to people. They think, oh, you know, there's something wrong. They don't understand why they don't like us. It's because we proclaim Christ. Saul knew that the Lord was with David. So Saul said, get out of my presence. I'm going to make you captain over a thousand men. And he puts them in the front line of battle. But David continued to act wisely. He acted wisely in all his ways because the Lord was with them, and this made Saul even more afraid. David was loved and revered by the people of Israel. Look at verse 16. But all Israel and Judah loved David because he went out and came in before them. David had nothing to hide. David has done nothing wrong. Here's a man who slayed Goliath, who leads Israel's army against the Philistines, who's won battle after battle, and the people revered him. They revered him. They loved him. But even as David has made this high-ranking official in the Israel army... He finds himself, which will become a lifelong struggle of life and death with King Saul. And while David did not create Saul's problems, he did reveal that which already existed. Remember, Saul didn't have a relationship with God, remember? Saul didn't have a relationship with God. David just reveals that. And here we see a dichotomy of such. On one hand... You have honest, humble David, full of the Holy Spirit, because God had given him the Holy Spirit. Full of faith, anointed by God to be the next king of Israel. On the other hand, 
You have the current king of Israel, a deceitful man, a schemer, a paranoid individual, trying to get back at someone that God had already anointed. David had accepted God's appointment to be king, while Saul was paranoid and he tried to protect that which was not his. God had abandoned Saul and had given David his spirit of power. So what you have here is a tale of two hearts. A tale of two hearts. One heart going towards God and the other heart fading away from God. It's a sad tale. One full of love. The other full of hate. other full of hate. So as we now continue in chapter 18, we're going to see more of Saul's schemes. We're going to see more of his schemes. And some of these schemes are somewhat subtle, as I said. They're extremely subtle. Now let's take note of one thing. Back in chapter 16 and verse 21, we saw that King Saul loved David very much. But in the beginning of chapter 18, Saul quickly changed his tune. And although Saul would try and try and try to have David killed, and even want to kill him himself, God would protect David. God would protect David all his life, and the lifelong battle that I talked about would finally end with the death of Saul and Jonathan. It would end with the death of Saul and Jonathan. So let's look at chapters 18, verse 17. Then Saul said to David, Here is my older daughter Merab. I will give her to you as wife. Only be valiant for me. Fight the Lord's battles. For Saul thought, let my hand not be against him, but let the hand of the Philistines be against him. So right he say, here's the schemer. He's planning and plotting. I don't have to kill him. I'm going to send him out to battle and let him die. Remember when we studied Goliath chapter in chapter 17. Remember what Saul said. To the man who kills Goliath, I will give my daughter in marriage. That hadn't happened yet. That hadn't taken place. The promise hadn't been fulfilled and said Saul was trying to do everything he could to make sure that David died in battle. When I studied this, there was an interesting thought in my head. An interesting thought came to my head, and you guys know me by now. After David sinned with Bathsheba, what did he do? He sent Uriah out to battle, remember? He put Uriah in the front line of battle so that he would be killed. Remember that? I thought that was interesting that you have this one. That must have been how you got rid of somebody in those days. <laughs> so in those days you said, hey, you look like a good fighter. Get in the front of the line, pal. <laughs> you know? Wait a minute. If, if, if the king ever came to you and said, I like you so much, I want you to lead the battle, go, I don't think so, king. I don't think I want to be up there. But the fact remained that although David had succeeded in killing Goliath, it was no longer good enough for the king to give him his daughter. Instead, Saul says, oh, David, be valiant for me and fight the Lord's battles. That's kind of an oxymoron. Why does the Lord need someone to fight his battles? The battle belongs to the Lord. And the Lord used David mightily to win many victories. But Saul wanted him out there to kill. And this is what you can do to obtain my daughter, my eldest daughter, as wife. So he asked David, be valiant and fight the Lord's battle. But then he secretly says, ha, 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 let the hand of the Philistines take care of him. My hands are clean. He'll be in battle. And I don't have to worry about that. David declines the offer. We don't know if he had any insight from God, but he declines the offer. He says he was not worthy to be the king's son-in-law. Look at verse 18. So David said to Saul, who am I and what is my life or my father's family in Israel that I should be son-in-law to the king? I love that. I really love this verse. I, I, I really do. 
Because you really get a great look at David's heart. David is humble. Remember, David has a heart like God's. He's a man after God's own heart. He's humble. And I love what David's question here is, who am I? What a question. Have you ever sat before God and said that? Have you ever sat before God and looked at all the wonderful things that the Lord has done for you and all the things, salvation and everything else that goes with it, and said to the Lord, who am I? Who am I that you would do this for me? Who am I that you would pour your spirit out upon me? Who am I that you would give me salvation? Who am I that you would make me co-inheritant with Christ, co-heir? Who am I? I think that's a beautiful prayer. I think it's a beautiful thing to think about. Who are we in the scheme of things? That just shows you just how much God loves you. That just shows you how much God loves you and continues to love you. Who are we? Wow. Wow. Lord, I ask him, who am I that you would allow me to be a pastor? Who am I that you would allow me to teach your word? Who am I that you would love me so much that you would do these things? That you would give me the desires of my heart? Who am I? So David declined, and Saul didn't waste any time. In verse 19, he gave his daughter to somebody else. But it happened at the time that Merab, Saul's daughter, should have been given to David, that she was given to Edrael, the that guy, as a wife. I couldn't pronounce it when I first read it. I wasn't going to try now. So his wife now, he doesn't have one, and Saul is wondering what to do. But we come to scheme number two. Here's scheme number two in verse 20. Now, now you can pronounce this Michal, Michelle, Michael, I don't care how you pronounce it. But now Saul's daughter loved David. And they told Saul, and the thing pleased him. So much to the king's pleasure, he found out that his other daughter was in love with David. So he starts to plot again. Oh, this is great. Now we're going to scheme here again. I'm going to give her to David. And he says, look in verse 21. So Saul said, I will give her to him that she may be a snare to him and that the hand of the Philistines may be against him. Therefore, Saul said to David a second time, you shall be my son-in-law. Again, the schemer plotting. <laughs> He's plotting. It's almost <laughs> I just had a vision of snaggly whiplash and Dudley Do-Right cartoons. Going, yeah, I got this now. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm sorry. <laughs> It's where my mind goes. I can't help it, guys. That's where it goes. Right? So he's scheming. Right? He's a schemer. But David resists this offer too. David resists this offer too. Look what it says. Let's go down. And Saul commanded his servants, communicate with David secretly and say, look, 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 the king has delight in you and all his servants love you. Now, therefore, become the king's son-in-law. This guy goes to no lengths. Now he's using his men to go to David to get what he wants. He wants, he wants his daughter to be David's wife so that she will be a snare to them. And let me just give you a little aside. She does become a snare to him. <laughs> she does become a problem for him later on. She does become quite a problem for David later on. But this is his plan. He is scheming. He wants to get this done because he wants his own way. What does he want? He wants David dead. Bottom line. He wants David dead, eradicated. He thinks that he can thwart the plan of God by killing the next person who would be king. Now, in case you haven't realized this, you cannot thwart the plan of God. 
God's plan will take place. It will occur and happen as God wants it to happen. Satan thought he could thwart the plan of God by allowing Jesus Christ to be crucified and doing what he could. But that was God's plan. Satan thought he had won. Saul has men lie to David, saying that the king really liked him. This is great conduct by a king, isn't it? This is really great conduct. David tried another way. He said, I can't do this. Let's look at more. 23, so Saul's servant spoke those words in the hearing of David. And David said, does it seem to you a light thing to be the king's son-in-law, seeing I am a poor and lightly esteemed man? And his servants of Saul told him, saying, in this manner, David spoke. Basically, David was saying, how can I marry her? I am a poor man. See, in those days, you had to come up with a dowry. You had to come up with a dowry, which meant the prospective bridegroom had to pay the father of the bride money to marry the daughter. And the higher up that the daughter was, or the father was, the more money he would demand for his daughter. And here we're talking about the king. So you can imagine what David's thinking. David's thinking like, there's no way I can afford this. There's no way I can give him the money that he would have won for a dowry. But the king says, don't worry about it. We'll work it out. Don't worry about it. It's such a deal I have for you. This was a trap because the dowry that Saul would demand, and in that day, like I said, a dowry was required whenever a man married. Since David was from a humble family, there was no way he could pay the dowry for a daughter of a king. So Saul came up with another plan. Look at 25. Then Saul said, Thus you shall say to David, The king does not desire any dowry, but 100 foreskins of the Philistines to take vengeance on the king's enemies. But Saul thought to make David fall by the hand of the Philistines. Now what is this, the third or fourth scheme that this guy is up with? This guy must have bags under his eyes from not sleeping at night, from staying up all night planning schemes. Thinking, well, well, if this doesn't work, we'll do this. This is crazy. So when his servants told David these words, it pleased David. Well, to become the king's son-in-law. Now the days had not expired. So David said, this is a good deal. Saul knew that this will demand that David will kill 100 Philistines. He knew the job was dangerous. He knew that he was sending David out. And he was hoping that David would be killed. Again, bottom line, he wanted him dead. He was the ultimate schemer. There are people in our lives who scheme against us. There are people in our lives who want what we have. Or want your position. Or, or, or want whatever. And they scheme against you. And instead of throwing spears, they use cunning manipulation. They use cunning manipulation to get what they want. He thought, let the Philistines do the work for me. From a fleshly standpoint, this was a pretty smart plan by the King Saul. Pretty smart plan. But according to God, there is no honor to God in things done in the flesh. There's no, God takes no honor in things that we do in the flesh. God was not honored by Saul's manipulation. Because manipulation uses hidden agendas and concealed motives. It's sneaky and secretive. Manipulation tries to maneuver people and events to accomplish a hidden agenda. It might be smart in the flesh, but it will never be blessed by God. And I can tell you scripturally that God will not allow anything of the flesh to be blessed. And I can give you two names, Abraham and Ishmael. Abraham and Ishmael. God told Abraham he would have a son. And Sarah said, well, go into my handmaid, Hagar. Go into her. 
And from whatever reason, Abraham wasn't thinking clearly, he did. And Ishmael was born. And 13 years later, God says to, to Abraham, you're going to have a son from your own seed. And Sarah's going to bore a son. And what did Abraham say to God? Oh God, that Ishmael would walk before you. In other words, my son from the flesh, let him walk before you and be this thing. And God said, no way. I'm paraphrasing. No way. Nothing of the flesh will be honored to God. Nothing we do with the flesh will be burned up like wood, hay, and stubble. You do something in the flesh, it's gone. Only that which is done in the spirit will God honor. That which is done through Christ for the love of the Lord, that will be honored. Because God was with David, this scheme also failed of Saul. It not only failed, David went out and he killed 200 Philistines. Not the 100 that, that Saul wanted him to. He kills 200 Philistines. Let's look at verses 26 and 27. So when his servants told David these words, it pleased David well to become the king's son-in-law. Now the days had expired. Therefore, David arose and went and his men killed 200 men of the Philistines. And David brought their foreskins and they gave them in full count to the king that he might become the king's son-in-law. Then Saul gave him his daughter as wife. So David ends up with Saul's youngest daughter as his wife. But Saul's obsession with killing David grows and grows and grows and grows. His twisted emotions have control over him. And this is what happens when we don't allow the Spirit of God to guide us and keep us. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. When I am in the flesh, I have no self-control. I have no self-control when I am in the flesh. Self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. And I love verses 28 and 29. The Lord, the, this, thus Saul, thus Saul, Saul, and knew that the Lord was with David and his daughter. His daughter loved him. And Saul was still more afraid of David. So David, so Saul became David's enemy continually. The kings knew that God was with David. I love that. I really do. When we communicate things with the Spirit, people know that God is with you. I have to admit, and I'm not ashamed to admit it, but I'm kind of ashamed to admit it, but I have to admit that sometimes I act in the flesh. Sometimes I act out in the flesh, and there are times when I have to ask and repent and ask for forgiveness for acting out in the flesh. I have a flesh, and it rears its ugly head sometimes. And the Scripture says that the flesh and the Spirit are at enmity with one another. There's a battle going on for supremacy of my body. And I have to admit, sometimes the flesh wins. I don't want it to, but it does. And at that time, then I have to go back to the Lord and I have to repent. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I need to confess. Lord, I'm sorry. I didn't know to do it that way. But even as we close out chapter 18 and move into chapter 19, Saul continues to scheme and try to get things to accomplish what he wants them to accomplish. Although our time is coming to a close for the day, you don't have to stop studying God's Word. Feel free to read ahead in the book of 1 Samuel and find more teachings from this series online at assurehoperadio.com. All of Pastor Dave's messages are available to download for free. You can even subscribe to our podcast on iTunes to have updated messages sent right to your computer or phone. Find links at our website. Again, that's assurehoperadio.com. 
Well, we'd like to invite you to join us in person for church at Calvary Chapel, Cape May. Right now, we're following the Lord's guidance and remaining closed. However, we are still holding services online. Join us on Sunday mornings at 10 on Facebook and YouTube. Just follow the links you'll find at assurehoperadio.com. We're also streaming our Wednesday service at 7 p.m., along with Bible study and devotionals each week. It's important to stay connected to church community during this time, so we hope you'll join us. Is there anything we could be praying about for you? Please let us know. Call us at 609-884-5821. That's 609-884-5821. Would you pray for us too? Please keep Pastor Dave and all of us at Calvary Chapel Cape May in your prayers, that we'll be wise in our decisions, and that we'll stay in tune with the desires of Christ. Thanks for praying, and thanks for tuning in today. Join us next time to continue learning from the book of 1 Samuel, right here on A Sure Hope.